Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. Hop, skip and a jump. Um, well, we started this year just examining and um, evaluating our thinking. And the mantra for the last month or last two months, actually, has been um, a very simple one, but a very profound one. And the mantra is this, when is the last time you actually thought about the way you think? When's the last time you actually took some time out and said, why do I think this way? Why am I doing this all the time? And I think for all of us here, if we're honest, um, we would admit that all of us have a little bit of stinking thinking that is way past its use by date, wouldn't we? You know, um, I, I think that it wouldn't be um, unfair to say that there'd be people in this auditorium who, who have feelings of insecurity, there's negative self-talk that can happen, there's anger, there's this lustful thinking that, that can so easily creep in, there's this narcissist kind of thinking, and, and some of us have been kind of living this victim mentality for far too long, and you know what, our thought life has literally been on this repeat loop for many, many years. It's almost like the way that we think becomes this factory that manufactures our feelings, and from our feelings, it kind of spits out these actions that happen all the time. Well, in 2018, we've kind of put out the challenge and kind of said, you know what, we may actually go through these repeat loops in our thinking all the time, but how about we consider and think and actually challenge that thinking to, to say that 2018, we're actually going to break that repeat loop. And the first couple of weeks, I'm just going to break down what we've been up to. In the first couple of weeks, we were looking at a scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, which says this, The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we were saying that a stronghold is not really the kind of word we use today, but a stronghold is actually a fortified place. The NASB actually says it's a fortress. It's, it's this, this thing that's been built up in our mind. And it's kind of the same word that is used in Joshua when they describe Jericho and the wall around it. And we kind of put this picture up. I mean, imagine if you were to look at a wall that's surrounding a city like Jericho in the book of Joshua, and you were able to take a helicopter and look down. And when you look down, you were actually looking at a person who was trying to get out of this wall. Only thing is, there's no walls, there's no windows, there's, there's no way to get out. But what you will see is this person who continually goes around and around and around and around and around. And we said that's actually a bit like a repeat loop. And that is what you call a stronghold. And each and every one of us have particular strongholds in our life that we go around and around and around. They think the same way all the time, around and around and around and around. We all have triggers that make us go around and around and around. Then after that, we kind of drilled down a little bit deeper and I was kind of put out, you know what? There's probably one thing that we could change that would change absolutely everything else in our life. And everyone seemed to be really eager and interested to know what it was, right? And I said that one thing is actually called our attitude, our attitude. Now, Hugh Down said, a happy person is not a person in a certain set of circumstances, but rather a person with a certain set of attitudes. And we were saying that attitude is actually the windscreen of life. It's actually what we look through and we understand that, that we don't actually see with our eye, we actually see with our brain. But what we do is that we interpret with our attitude. 
And the thing is, the images that we see or the situations we are or people's actions, we can see that, but we actually interpret the story by our attitude. And that makes attitude really important. And we were saying that if attitude is the windscreen of life, we need to try and make sure that windscreen's pretty clean, don't we? Because stuff happens, doesn't it? People come, they throw dirt on your windscreen. You might just be driving along and, you know, I just looked at my windscreen this morning. A bird did something on my windscreen. Can you believe that? Didn't even know when it happened. But all sorts of stuff ends up on our windscreen. And that windscreen's our attitude. And our attitude determines how we approach life. Our attitude determines how we face challenges, how we interact with people. And for that reason, we need to work really hard to make sure that the windscreen of our life or our attitude is pretty clean. Otherwise, we'll be walking around as miserable, whinging, complaining Christians, you know, just walking around So. Come to Jesus. Maybe he'll do in your life what he did in mine. It's like, no one wants that. What a, what a bad example. So today, I wanted to put up another metaphor for attitude. And um, it's, a, it's a metaphor that's going to require a bit of work. So I understand I may not get so many like amens and go, Dave, and yeah, preach it. Um, but nevertheless, it is a fantastic, true metaphor. And this is... The metaphor for an attitude. Who said yum? Caleb. Oh, Paul. I wouldn't think it was Caleb. Caleb, you're not a healthy eater. But anyway, <laughs> this is, well, he can. He's young, man. Uh, this, is called, this is a cluster of grapes. And that's the metaphor I want to use. Now, listen to this. Dr. Carolyn Leaf, um, she's a very, very smart woman. <laughs> Way smarter than me. Um, so, This is what she has said. An attitude is a cluster of thoughts with emotional flavor. And every type of emotion has one of only two roots, love or fear. Love and fear are the root emotions, and all other emotions grow from these. So what I want us to understand today is that attitude is not a thought. Attitude the thing that we see the world through, the thing that interprets life to us, is actually a cluster of thoughts. A cluster of thoughts. And I think, you know, I mean, your grapes can look like beautiful like that. In fact, I would love to like eat that right now, but um, eating grapes and speaking doesn't go together. It can look beautiful, plump. They're really juicy. I've tried some. They taste fantastic. Or they can be dry and shriveled up like that, like a sultana. And here's the question. I mean, what is your attitude actually looking like today? Um, there's a grape down there. Like, if you're honest. What kind of attitude do you have? Like, sitting here, you may be thinking, far out, I can't believe that guy brought, like, what's he on about? This is a stupid illustration. Well, that's only because your attitude's a bit dirty at the moment. I think it's a phenomenal illustration. But what does it look like at the moment? Are there areas that need to be cleaned up a little bit? Are there thoughts in your life that actually need to be changed? A little bit. Because our attitude can actually look nice and plump and, and, and fresh and, and refreshing and, and, and can actually bring nourishment, not just to ourselves, but actually nourishment to other people. Or it can be dried up, it can be shriveled up, and it can be like just nothing. But a healthy attitude, it's not going to happen by accident. It doesn't happen arbitrarily. It actually happens because they're planned, they're cared for, they're fertilized, and they're watered. And I want to show you how difficult 
it actually is or can be or how intentional we need to be in growing a great godly attitude. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10, if you have your Bibles, why don't you crack that open? Most of, them have, of us have it on our phones, so you can click your app and open that up. And I just want to show you this verse. We've looked at this in the previous weeks, but I just want to show you how, how this kind of comes together. So 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, Paul's speaking here to the Corinth church. Church in Corinth, and he says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Get this. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I mean, could you imagine what it takes to actually cultivate a healthy godly attitude. I'm not talking about having a good attitude. I'm talking about having a godly attitude. There is a difference, okay? Like, like we could run around and say, yeah, I just want to have a good attitude. Well, as a pastor of the church, I actually want us to have a godly attitude. I want us to have godly thoughts towards the things in this world. And if you look at that, at that verse, it says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So the idea is that I'm going to take a thought, then I need to take another thought, and then I'll take another one, and then I'll take another one, and then I'll take another one, 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 take another one, take another one. You know what I'm saying? And by the end of taking all these thoughts and putting them together, I've got a cluster of thoughts and I've got an attitude. Do you see how that illustration works? It's not just one thought. It's a cluster of thoughts. It's a cluster of thoughts. Now, think about this. I want you to sort of put that picture or, or that process in the context of this Western world in which we all have the privilege of living right now. We've got this culture that is rather demanding, isn't it? It's a culture of now. It's a culture that has this insatiable appetite for what the next soundbite is going to be. It's this culture that doesn't necessarily provide the ideal environment for forming great attitudes. And it actually makes scriptures like this one, which we're about to see, really relevant, even though this was written thousands of years ago. Romans 12 Verse 2, again, we've looked at this many times, but I want to focus on something here. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, it's actually the first part of that scripture which I want us to consider. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Have you ever considered the pattern of this world? Or have you ever focused on the pattern of this world and what the pattern of this world actually looks like? I'll give you an example. For myself, I hate waiting in lines. Does anyone else like hating, does it hate waiting in lines? I detest it. You know, I, I can't stand it. I actually think that one of the greatest innovations of the last couple of years is that self-check it, like um, check thing at Coles and Woolworths. Because before that, I was the most judgmental Christian on the face of this earth. Because I'd be there with my trolley and I'd be wanting to go through and I'd see like there's an express lane or there's this lane and this lane. And I'd be looking at people, I would actually be looking at people's trolleys and I'd be saying, you don't need to buy that. You don't need to buy that. That's a way, you definitely don't need to buy that. And I'd be making these judgments all the time, but I was freed in the name of Jesus when these amazing self-checkout things came along. Because I hate waiting in line. A couple of weeks ago, I was actually early for a meeting and I thought, you know, I'm just going to sit around. So I sat in front of a Coles. And what I observed was this beautiful um, elderly lady who had this trolley. And because um, she was waiting behind, 
a, a large line, one of those beautiful staff people said, why don't you come and just come into the express lane and we'll just put your stuff through. So she proceeded to go there and going and, and, and getting her stuff checked through. But what happens is that these other um, people started coming behind her, not knowing what the staff person said. And one of these ladies, which was behind this lovely old lady, um, actually started telling this lady off, actually in front of my eyes. I couldn't believe it, you know, like not, not knowing that the star person, I thought to myself, what a crazy world we live in that someone would actually start having to go at one of our seniors because she had more than 12 items in a line and not knowing that the backstory was that she was actually asking, isn't that a crazy world? See, that's part of the pattern of this world. I hate uh, waiting in traffic. Does anyone hate waiting in traffic? I have been known to actually go the long way to get to a destination just so I don't have to wait and, and stop and stand still in a place. I'm kind of like that. I hate waiting and going to watch the previews of movies. Does anyone hate seeing the previews? I'm just a little bit like weird like that. So I know that uh, if, if a movie is like kind of scheduled for 11.30, I probably give myself about 25, 30 minutes because I figure if I go in 30 minutes later, I'm going to miss the previews and go into, is it 15? Rubbish. I've done it in 30 and gone spout on. You're not as obsessed as what I am, Jessica, let me tell you. <laughs> I hate, I hate waiting. I hate waiting. I, have a, I know I have a problem. And I always move on to the next thing. I always want to move on to the next thing. Move on to the next thing. I love it when I watch The West Wing and Jed Bartlett always goes, what's next? You know, everyone else is like, Does anyone, has anyone not watched The West Wing? You should watch The West Wing. It'll do you good. Um, it's a great TV series. Um, but he always goes on, what's next? And I think, that's awesome. That's, I want to be like that. I hate waiting. I always move on but I'm a product of the pattern of this world. It's almost like I'm like this tuning fork. That I've been exposed to this frequency and this culture. And if I'm, not care, if I'm not careful, if I'm unaware, all of a sudden I start resonating with that same frequency because I'm living in this world. And yet a scripture like Romans 12 starts off by saying, do not conform to the pattern of this world. And the reason why Paul is saying that is because of resonance. We so easily start resonating with the frequency of this world, with the cares of this world, with the hurry sickness of this world. So it just happens. We're just in the world. If we're not careful, it happens. And we live in this world that, that seems to be having this increasingly reduced attention span, don't we? You know, we reduce a, a thought to 280 characters so we can tweet it. We, we click, we crop, we filter, we post, we Snapchat. Here's how crazy we are in this day. We could spend $200 to go to a concert to watch a phenomenal um, performer only when the performer comes out, not to watch the performer, but get out our phone and look at the small little screen and record it so that we can post it to let everyone know where we attended. But even though we attended, we weren't present. And I paid 200 bucks. Is that not insanity? That is insanity. Have you ever seen someone do that? I just want to take their phone off them. <laughs> so what are you doing? Uh, one of my great friends, he's a um, teacher in, um, in, in um, one of these great schools, actually with Shay. And um, they're going through this um, discipleship program, and um, he's doing it with young adults. And, and he was saying, what we're going to do, we're going to listen, we're going to watch this video, and it's going to go for 40 minutes. Oh, my goodness, the amount of moaning and groaning that happened. And he was just saying, this is what I said, Dave. I said, oh, did I just squash your little millennial attention span just then? It's like that, isn't it? It's like that. Social media has become an involuntary step-parent 
in molding and shaping us. Now we sort of expect that information needs to be in bite-sized amounts. There needs to be a constant stream of it. And we want new information before we digest the old information. And suffice to say that we live in a world that has a pattern that has caused this attention span to get smaller and smaller and smaller and even introduce such um, things as hurry sickness into our life. And yet in the midst of this, Paul's saying... Thousands of years ago, as relevant back then as it is today, he's saying, don't be conformed to the pattern. To the pattern, because there's a pattern. There is a pattern. Don't be conformed. Conformity can happen in an instance. Transformation takes a long time. And sometimes we can want things to happen in the moment, but to actually be true disciples of Jesus Christ to actually develop healthy, godly thought life, healthy, godly attitude is not going to happen in an instant. It's not going to take a little sound bite to actually change. It's going to take a long time to bring about transformation. And that's what Paul is saying. Don't be conformed, but be transformed. But understand that conformity happens like that. Transformation takes a long time. So how do you cultivate, how do I cultivate a healthy, God-honoring attitude? That's what I want to talk about. And we're just going to look at three verses in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. So why don't you quickly turn over there. And we're just going to dig in just for a little bit before we close for this service and see if God would actually challenge us. And if it is possible to engraft some of his wisdom into our life so that we would be changed. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 to 23 says this. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Pretty familiar passage of Scripture, isn't it, if you've been a Christian for a while? And um, usually we kind of jump to Proverbs 4, 23 straight away, you know. Above all else, guard your heart for uh, everything you do flows out of it. But the actual promise of this little pericope, this little passage, is actually found in Proverbs 2, verse 22, which says, For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And the promise of is this of holistic health, that there'll be health in all facets of our life, that every single part of us would be healthy, that our body be healthy, that our spirit be healthy, that our mind would be healthy. It's a great promise, isn't it? You know, we kind of like that promise. But as I was kind of reading and sort of studying this week and just kind of looking at this, this passage of Scripture, um, there was just one part of that promise that really kind of took me off guard. And it was this uh, a couple of words. It says, for they are those, they are life to those who find them. Who find them. I thought, that's strange. Who find them? Find them. Who find what? Who find them? It's kind of funny because this morning I was, um, woke up early as I do every Sunday and um, got myself ready and, and, and all that. And the kids were asleep. Andrew's still asleep. And um, so you're trying to be a little bit quiet, you know, because you don't want to wake up the kids in particular, because if I wake up the kids, then Andrew gets woken up. If Andrew gets woken up, she doesn't get enough sleep. You know, I'm not going to keep on going with that. Anyway, so I wake up this morning 
And, and I'm doing that. And just as I'm about to um, walk out of the, um, the house, I do the leave the house shuffle. Does anyone else know that? Leave the house shuffle. It pretty much goes like this. Like that. Check for my keys, check for my phone, check for my wallet. So I do this shuffle as I do all the time. And, and I go to like, sort of tap my backside. There's no wallet. Couldn't find a wallet. Had no idea where the wallet was. And um, I just proceeded by that. I didn't realize that I lost the wallet until I needed the wallet. No idea I lost the wallet. Didn't even know where I put it. And like from that point, I'm actually trying to creep around the house to find this wallet. But I'm creeping it away so I don't make any noise. And I'm extremely clumsy. Let me tell you, I like drop stuff. I break stuff. I bash into stuff. You know, I'm just a really clumsy person. I'm trying so hard just creeping around so I don't wake up the kids, don't wake up Andrea, because I've lost this wallet. I didn't realize I lost the wallet, but I need the wallet. I just don't want to do that. And I finally found the wallet. I found the wallet, put it in my pocket and went out. And I was thinking to yourself, you know what? It's funny that I once had this, but then I lost it. And then I had to find it again, Right? I did have it. Yesterday I had it. I lost it. I didn't even know I, I didn't know I lost it, but I needed to find it, and then I found it again. But as I was trying to find it, I'm like creeping around so that Andrew doesn't wake up, the kids don't wake up. I'm really creeping around so they don't realize I've lost my wallet. Isn't it funny with life that we can talk about the Word of God, we can talk about the wisdom of God, and there are moments when we have it, but there's moments when we lose it. And what happens is that we start creeping around in life, trying to find it, hoping that people who are around us don't realize that, oh my goodness, Dave's lost his wisdom. Dave's lost the word of God. Look at, look at, that, look at that guy. I mean, he's trying to, he's trying to, is he trying to fool us? We can see him creeping around, trying to not make too many messes in his life, not trying not to step into too many mistakes. And the guys, the boys lost it. But that can so easily happen that we can have it. We can lose it and not know we lose it, but then when we realize we lose it, we can creep around to try and find it again. This is what this proverb is saying. It's saying, listen, pay attention, turn your ear. Get this, don't let them out of your sight because if you find it, what if you find? He's talking about wisdom here. If you find wisdom, it will be life to you. It will be health to you. I think life is a little bit like this. We forget what we saw, but we remember what we constantly see. We forget what we saw, but we remember what we constantly see. And the discipline is to constantly keep the Word of God. The discipline is to constantly be inclining our ear. The discipline is to constantly be going to God because in those moments where we lose sight of it, when we turn our ear away, when we go, those moments where we can once have had it, but we can so easily lose it. And then we go creeping around this world. Christians have lost their wisdom looking like, man, you look crazy. You know what I'm saying? Imagine if we had a camera in my house, look at it like this morning when I'm trying to find this stupid wallet. I would have looked absolutely dumb, absolutely dumb. G.K. Cheston said this, an open mind is well and good, but like an open mouth, its only purpose is to find something solid and nourishing and then to close upon it. You know, we can say, you know, I've got an open mind about this issue. I've got an open mind about this subject. You know, I've got, a, you know what, when it, when it comes to, to life, I've got an open mind about it, but 
that's well and good for a bit, but that's actually foolishness because the actual purpose of having an open mind is that we would actually find something that is solid, something that is true, and we would close in upon it and we would actually put our hope in that. So what's your thoughts looking like? What are these looking like? What's that attitude looking like? You know, your thoughts when it comes to people. When it comes to people, you know, the nice ones, the smelly ones, the ones who, like, cut you off in the traffic, you know, the ones who are just go, they, they, the ones who go um, in the express lane when they have 13 items instead of 12. What's your thought? What's the thought life when it comes to that? What's your thought life when it comes to marriage? What's your thought life when it comes to sex? Got no thoughts? What's your thought life when it comes to injustice? What's your thought life when it comes to Christian mission? What's our thought life? Because it's all well and good to have an open mind about things. Well, no, it's not really because that'll lead you down the wrong path. The point is to actually find something that is solid, something that is true, and to wrap your mind on that. Yeah, that is good anyway. Close upon it. And as we do that, over time, we develop godly attitudes towards that issue. Godly attitudes. And um, I think God's Word is very, very, um, has a lot of facets to it. You know, God's Word is both prescriptive, but it's also descriptive. Um, For example, a couple of prescriptive instructions are like, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ephesians 5.25. I remember saying that to some fellas, and, and, I, and they immediately rebut to me. Immediately, immediately rebut. Say, Dave, you don't understand. You, 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 but Dave, you're taking it out of context, because before that, it says, wives, you need to submit to your husbands. Yes. And he just rebut it like that. And I go, well, it actually starts before that, Ephesians 5.21, which says, submit to one another. Then wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. But we can be so easy to rebut something that's prescribed and so instructional. Here's the deal when it comes to marriage I've learned. I need to be obedient as to what God asks of me as a husband of the house. Now, what the relationship is between Andrew and God, that's her issue. That's actually her, I, I, that, that's her issue. That's her relationship. But what I can do is that I can love my wife. I was going to say, as Christ loves the church, I'm nowhere near that but I can aspire to love my wife as Christ loved the church, you know? And wives, same deal, what the Scriptures say, but that's prescriptive. It's not up for argument, you know, oh, I want to debate that. Well, you can keep debating it. It just means you're creeping around this world because you once had something, now you've lost something, and you look silly. How about you actually take the Word of God and actually engraft it to your life and see it outwork in your life and see the kingdom of God come about in your life? How about we just do that instead of like mucking around? It's good. I reckon we should do that and graft it. But then there's other passages which are really descriptive, you know? And I love the descriptive ones, you know? Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. I love the fact that God actually puts on, on show this great cloud of witnesses. 
Because Scripture says, this is the definition of faith in the book of Hebrews. The definition of faith, of faith in the book of Hebrews is faithfulness, to actually finish your race. That's what faith is, right? To actually finish it. And what the Scripture says and what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, I want you to, I'm going to encourage you to finish your race just as this cloud of witnesses have finished their race, which means we can look at these guys and actually glean a bit of wisdom and, and like guidance from them. In this cloud of witnesses, God like Moses. You know Moses? Moses. Have you ever th- like, kind of thought to yourself, man, I, I really feel like I've stuffed up here. I reckon I've done something that is so irreversible, and I feel like God has abandoned me. I feel like I've been out in the wilderness for 40 years. Well, Moses will actually say to you, keep on running, keep on going, because even if you feel like you've made such a mistake, even if you feel like you've stuffed it up, God, at any given moment, he will call you. He will pick you up, and we will set you on a new season, and your future is going to be better than your past. That's some wisdom from Moses, isn't it? What about Noah? Noah's out there, and, and he's like building this big boat. I mean, they didn't even know what a boat was. They didn't know what rain was. He's getting slammed. He's getting ridiculed just because he's obeying God. And Noah would say, hey, look at my life. Get some wisdom from my life. If they're slandering you, if they're poking you, if they're like having a go at you, just keep on going. Keep on going. What about someone like Rahab? The wisdom from Rahab, you can be an outsider, you can be a prostitute, but your life is still redeemable. And God could still use it to the point where she is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's a wisdom, isn't it? You know, what about David? I love David. David, he's a warrior, right? He's a man's man. Any men's men here? Any fellas here? Any like one, like two? That's all right. He's, he's a fella. He can go and like cut off Goliath's head. He can go and chase Philistines and make them terrified. Cut off all their foreskins and all that. It's in the Bible, right? It's in the Bible. This guy who can terrorize armies. He can cut off the heads of giants. And still he can worship God with such purity. It lets me know it doesn't matter how much of a man's man you think you are. You can still worship Jesus. You can still be passionate about the Lord. You can still dance around and and say, I don't care what other people say about me because I'm getting some wisdom from someone who's in this great cloud of witnesses. You see, the Bible is prescriptive, but it's also descriptive. Descriptive. What about an Esther? Do we have any Esthers in this place? I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray to God that we get some more Esthers in this generation. I am sick and I am tired of seeing like girls and like all this flaunting around and waiting. Like, come on. Come on for such a time as this. How about some purpose in your life? How about to hold yourself? How, how about, hey, how about to like, I was going to say, anyway. How about knowing that everything has been set up for you to leave your mark on history? In the name of Jesus. See, we've got this great cloud of witnesses, and they have finished their race. And our job is to look at them and to gain wisdom from them so that we can finish our race. It's wisdom. Solomon's writing in Proverbs 4, and he's saying, Pay attention. Turn your ear. Do not let them depart from your sight. Because if you find it, it's going to be life and it's going to be health for your entire body, you see. So I wonder what your thought life, what your attitudes, 
are looking like. This is a picture of an attitude. It's a cluster of thoughts. Scripture says that every thought, we're to look at it, we're to examine it, we're to ensure that we take it captive, every single thought. Cultivating an attitude takes time. Going with the flow, being conformed, will happen in an instant. Happen in an instant. And, you know, floating downstream, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, in the short term, there's enjoyment. But in the long term, especially young people, in the long term, it is soul-destroying. Because the wisdom of God is given to us so that we would be healthy, that we would have life, and that we would be a generation that leaves a mark. And that the, previous, the generations that are to come after us, that they would look at us and they would say, you know what, if Sue and Colin, if they can live for Jesus in this generation, if they can still pour into younger generations, if they can still love people, my goodness, well, then maybe so can I. It's the inspiration of example as we do that. So when's the last time you thought about how you think? When's the last time? When's the last time you continuously thought, you know what, I've let a couple of things slip. I've had some wisdom in my life and I reckon today I might have lost a bit of wisdom somewhere. And I'm creeping around trying to live my life, trying to convince other people that I'm wise when I've actually lost it. And maybe this day God will say, well, this is what you need to do. You need to continually get my word and continually have it before your face. You need to continually hear my words. You need to continually do that. And as you do that, gradually, a thought will change, another thought will change, and before you know it, we would have developed, cultivated, great, healthy, godly grapes. Attitude. Amen? Let's pray. going to call the band up. We've run way out of time. Father, we do thank you for the beauty of Scripture. We thank you for the accessibility of Scripture. And I ask that as we've just taken a short time this morning just to almost briefly just cover this little one, I pray that there would have been enough to help us engraft your truth. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we're in this moment that you would be speaking to us, that you'd put your spotlight in certain areas of attitude and things that you're asking for us to change and certain thoughts that we need to take captive. Whether thoughts in line of what we think about ourselves or think about other people or think about you or, or think about the church or, or think about society. May we have the discipline to take captive every thought and bring it under submission to the authority of Jesus Christ. And may we have the grace to develop good, godly, healthy attitudes in this generation so that we would live a life that is distinct from the world and appeals to the world and shows the world our beautiful Jesus. We pray this.